Welcome back to the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped, the first one to kick off the 2021 season. And I can't think of a better guest than to have NBC Sports Bay Area's own Matt Mayoko join me on the podcast to talk about everything that has transpired this week. And I'm talking roster cuts, but Matt, we made it. We made it. I made it. Yes. <laughs> and you know what I thought you were going to say, Kiana? The What's first that? podcast of the season. I can't. I couldn't think of a better guess. Couldn't get that person. So instead, oh, let's get oh, Matt Mayoko. <laughs> no, no. The, you are who we wanted. I mean, wow. Okay. We went, went John Lynch first, but then you're you're a very okay. close. Okay. So now that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but we do got to talk about what's transpired this week, and that's you know this is probably one of the most. Um, popular times, I'll say that, at least for 49ers.com, because people want to see who made this roster, who stood out at training camp, who do the who does John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan see as those core pieces that can help this team get back to where they were um, just a couple of years ago, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I want to just put you on the spot really briefly, and let's start with your biggest surprise from roster cuts, whether that's somebody they decided to part ways with or somebody that's on the roster, who stood out to you that you that kind of like your radar went off a little bit. Honestly, I don't think there was a big surprise. You know, the one that kind of caught my eye initially, only because I never saw him, was Devontae Harris. Yeah. I was like, whoa, he made the 53 man? And then, of course, he goes on IR the next day. But I don't know that there really was anything too earth-shattering. Um, you know, I had a question whether they, they would keep the two or three quarterbacks. They keep two, mm -hmm. but of course, Nate Sudfeld is the third because now he's on the practice squad. Um, you know, the one guy that I think they sent a pretty strong signal late in training camp that Jalen Hurdle was going to be on the 53-man roster. So he's one guy that, you know, really didn't earn his spot, but just he earned it because of his size and his skill set. And mm -hmm. I, I just think that Kyle Shanahan has seen uh, the ways he wants to use a healthy Jalen Hurd, and now the now the onus is on Jalen Hurd to get healthy and get on the field. Um, you know that they don't have a true punt returner uh, in the sense of I thought it was either going to be Simba Webster or Travis Benjamin making oh. the fifty-three man. Neither one of them made it. Webster goes to the Bears, claimed off waivers. Benjamin is on the practice squad, which means the Fernandes could bring him up every game, basically, mm -hmm. uh, to to fill in, to elevate to that 53-man roster. But I asked Kyle Shanahan on Wednesday whether he believes the punt returner for the 49ers is on the 53-man roster. That's the reason I, I worded it like that. And he said, I do, which means to me that Brandon Ayuk, the guy who is listed on the unofficial depth chart as the top punt returner, will be the 49ers' top punt returner on September 12th when we all travel to Detroit to see that week one game. Yeah, and actually, you know what? I, I was going to talk about something else, but you're talking about week one, and I'm going to jump right into a fan question. Robert Montgomery from the D.C. metro area, which is, I, I think this is why he asked this question, but he wanted to know, will the 49ers stay on the East Coast between their first game, which is on in Detroit on September 12th, and their second game, which is against the Philadelphia Eagles? And if so, have they announced a location? The team will be staying out on the East Coast. I'm sure Matt Mayoko will be somewhere frolicking around West Virginia, hanging out with the team. <laughs> 
but they will definitely be staying out on the East Coast. Um, it's a benefit for them rather than doing both of those back and forth East Coast or West Coast to East Coast travel. So, all right. So you talked a little bit about Jalen Hurd, but let's dive into the wide receiver position. And I've got my notes up because, I mean, it's a lot to remember. We got 53 players and it's ever changing. It's ever evolving. Um, these guys, the same guys that you see right now, it could be totally different a week from now, just with injuries and the number of things that could uh, go into play here. But wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Muhammad Sanu, Trent Sherfield, Jalen Hurd, and Jawan Jennings. Uh, I think one name that stands out to me here, Matt, is Trent Sherfield and the type of camp and training camp that he had. But overall, looking at this group, is this kind of what you expected? Yeah, it is. Um Yes, it is. I, you know, when Trent Sherfield was signed by the 49ers, I thought, okay, he's going to make the team and maybe he's like the fifth wide receiver, but he's a special teams guy. He's, he's a special, special teams guy. He's very good. What I didn't know about Trent Sherfield was he's a pretty good wide receiver too. In fact, I mean, he might be the guy that was the biggest surprise of camp. And, you know, I kind of look at that wide receiver room. And I think that's an area for concern because I'm not sure you really know what you're getting with, with any of those guys. And you know, certainly there's high hopes with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, but I, I, I think those guys kind of need to really look at Trent Sherfield and, and see how he goes about his business. He is mm-hmm. a pro. And I think that Trent Sherfield I wouldn't have said this probably the first week of training camp. I remember the first few days of training camp, Brandon and I, you can Debo Samuel looked really good. Yeah. And then it kind of seemed like they took some steps back. I, especially, I still think that those two guys are talented guys. I think they have a chance. They have very good seasons, but I think they have to learn how to bring it every day, every snap. And Trent Sherfield did that. And so I could probably kind of go down that list and give you pros and cons on on every player and kind of mm-hmm. what I saw and what they need to do. It might be Trent Sherfield might be the guy where I'm going to have the most difficult time giving you any cons because I just think that he w- had a really special camp. And as far as the work ethic and everything else, um, he's – yeah, like I said, he sets a really good example for everybody else in that room. And remember, he's only a fourth-year guy. So it's not like he's this seasoned vet who's been around the block. Um, you know, he's, he proved to be a pretty good deep threat, but um, yeah, just a much more polished receiver and hardworking guy than, than I knew uh, when the 49ers signed him. Yeah, and he was talking this week, and he's a guy that got to learn under Larry Fitzgerald when he was with the Cardinals and even had that season with DeAndre Hopkins. So being able to kind of absorb um, things from those guys and being able to take that with him to San Francisco, I think that's definitely invaluable. But one of those guys who I I agree, he was totally a surprise, caught, I think, a lot of us by surprise the way he has performed in camp, the way he has performed that everybody's seen in the preseason. So he could be special. I haven't seen yet any cons as well. Um, but I'll definitely be excited to watch uh, him as this season progresses. And then one thing of note that uh, I didn't say earlier, Kyle Shanahan, when he spoke this week, said the plan for Jalen Hurd is that he would be full go by week one. Matt, I know you've been at practice this week, and I know he's been out of um, some of the sessions, but 
that's the plan. Uh, and we'll see how that goes as time progresses. But uh, let's jump to running backs, fullbacks, uh, Raheem Mostert, Trey Sherman, Jamichael Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, and then you've got Kyle Juszczyk. Um, I think one of one of the big questions going into roster cuts was what do the 49ers do when you have a Wayne Gallman and you have a Jamichael Hasty who earns that spot on the roster? Um, we've been able to see what both of them can do. I know both of them are taking a lot of the workload uh, in the preseason when you were without uh, Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert. But uh, looking at the running backs, anything stand out? Well, I guess the thing that stood out was that everybody – brings a little something um and Wayne Gallman just really didn't flash you know he never really he had a good season last year at the New York Giants he led that team in rushing he comes to the 49ers and he really did nothing to stand out whereas I think all the other guys and I think with Trey Sermon it's more you know we we know he's going to be a good player he's just not there yet um but you know Raheem Mostert has the incredible breakaway speed and he's your top running back and you have Jamichael Hasty, who's a really good threat out of the backfield and, and kind of a third down back and Elijah Mitchell much the same way uh, you know they have kind of big playability and that's something that Kyle Shanahan really likes you know he, he likes the idea of you know you scheme these things to to uh, create running lanes and he wants a guy who can turn um, you know, a, a smallish hole into a big game. And so those guys are capable of doing that. But I, I think it's a pretty good mix of, of running backs with, I would, I would sense that early in the season, it's going to be Raheem Mostert. It's going to be Trey Sermon. And who's going to be the leading rusher on a week to week basis. It's probably going to be, you know, they're going to go with the hot hand. And so that could, uh, that could change back and forth. But I just I really like the way that Raheem Mostert looked in the preseason, not just the preseason, but I guess he only played in that one game, but just uh, how he looked in training camp and he's got a good mindset. So I think he's set up if he can stay healthy, he's set up to have certainly a thousand yard rushing season and, and probably much more than that. Manscaped is the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Yeah, and so take note, all of you fantasy owners that are listening here, Kyle Shanahan does like to go with a guy that has the hot hand, so don't come blaming, not me, you're probably blaming Matt Miyoko. Can we say, Kiana, can we say, should we say hot feet? Because it's really not hand. Yeah, it the, is the right. running back with the hot feet. Let's <laughs> let's let's do that. There we go. The running back with the hot feet. But something also, as of no, we were talking a little bit about um, punt return. But I want to talk about kickoff return. I think Elijah Mitchell uh, mm-hmm. is one of those guys that could uh, take that job this season with Travis Benjamin now. Well, he's on a practice squad, but assemble Webster going to the Bears. Uh, 49ers could look to my Elijah Mitchell getting involved on special teams. All right. I'm jumping. We're going to go to tight end. Uh, George Kittle, Ross Dwelly, Charlie Warner. Uh, I think a lot of people assume the 49ers would go for four tight ends. That's what they've done plenty of times in the past. This year, stuck with these three. Jordan Matthews did go on practice squad. The 49ers wanted to see more out of Michael uh, Pruitt, uh, but he was dealing with that calf injury at the start of camp. But were you surprised at all, Matt, that we did just four tight ends or three tight ends this year compared to four? Um. 
No, I think that that was, I mean, I did think that Pruitt had a pretty good chance. They did give him some guaranteed money. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think it, when you, uh, the position we'll talk about later, when you have so many defensive linemen on your team and mm-hmm. guys you want to keep, you have to go lighter at other positions. And so I think that's one of those spots where when you're looking at the 49ers, what's a position where you don't really need you know, to carry one more guy, and that would be tight end. So, you know, I think Charlie Warner had a pretty good camp. Of course, Ross Dwelly is their backup. And then who's that first guy you mentioned? Uh, number 85? Uh, some Kittle. guy. I think he's like yeah. some all-pro tight end, that guy. Yeah, okay. So George Kittle. You know, yeah, as long as you have you – know, you have George Kittle who does everything, then you can kind of get specific with what you want from the other guys back there. And I know they brought in Hudson from the, uh, the Buccaneers practice squad guys. So if they do need that fourth tight end, they can do that. You know, they can bump him up. Um, you know, Jordan Matthews is also back worth kind of keeping around and seeing how he potentially could develop as a tight end after so many years as a wide receiver. So now I, I think that, uh, if you're going to go light on a spot, because as you mentioned, Kyle Shanahan has gone with four tight ends in the past. But if you're going to make a make this a year where, you know, one of those position groups, you go a little bit lighter. I think that this year with tight end is probably a, yeah. a pretty reasonable uh, position group to do that with. Yeah. As we're rounding up the skill players on offense, uh, I want to throw in a fan question. Pete Shaheen from Sacramento asks, do you expect the offensive run pass ratio to be similar to last season? Or do you think they run more or pass more this year? And I'm assuming he's referring to maybe some of these weapons or what the 49ers currently have uh, at running back tight end and wide receiver. Well, tell me what you think the 49ers win loss record is going to be. And I'll tell you where they're (laughs) going to lean heavily. You know, basically if the 49ers are winning football games, they're going to run the ball a lot. Absolutely. And, and the plan going into probably every game they fa- they play this season is to run the ball uh, a lot, get that thing going. I mean, basically, you know, the circumstances of the game dictate how much you run, how much you pass. So at the end of the season, if the 49ers are uh, predominantly a running team, that means that they've had a pretty good season. Now, I know that Kyle Shanahan and, and the game plan, every every game they go into, they, they kind of figure – Okay, let's. We're going to be 50 50. We're going to run the ball 50% of the time, throw the ball 50% of the time. But then, if you're winning, you're going to be running the ball more. If you're losing, you're going to be throwing the ball more to try to catch up. So, um, I think that ultimately they will be running the ball more than they throw the ball this season because that's where the strength of the team is. And also, I think that this team's going to be pretty good. And so I think they're going to win a lot more games than they lose, which just automatically kind of sets up for the running game to be kind of the dominant feature of the offense. Yeah. One key part of a successful run game is an O-line that can block for you. And jumping right in, 49ers keeping eight offensive linemen, Alex Mack, Daniel Brunskill, Aaron Banks, second-round pick right there, Tom Compton, Mike McGlinchey, Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, and another uh, draft pick, Jalen Moore. Um, depth is I, – I always say that, but especially at O-line, D-line, depth is huge um, in this game of football. But I'm going to throw it to a fan question. Catherine Williams from Oakley, California – Wants to know what's your thoughts on the upgrade for O line protection this year, and 
that's, you know, you have Trent Williams now for a second year, but now you also brought in Alex Mack and you have a couple of other pieces, but what's your thoughts there? Well, I, I think they upgraded three positions. And, and the reason I say that is I, I, I think Trent Williams is, is, as you know, he's good. He's going to stay at that, that high level. I think Lakin Tomlinson last year was very good. He's going to stay at that high level. And when I say Trent Williams was good, I actually mean probably great. I think he's one of the all-timers. But I think they're going to upgrade this year at the other three positions. I think I think Alex Mack is going to be an upgrade, even though he's getting up there in years. He's going to be uh, kind of that centerpiece of the offensive line, a guy who knows what he's doing, can get everybody on the same page. And his skill set fits what Kyle Shanahan does. I think Daniel Brunskill at right guard is going to be a better Daniel Brunskill than he was in the past. I think he's a pretty good player, but more than serviceable. So I think they're going to be improved there too. And then I think Mike McGlinchey, same thing. You know, Mike McGlinchey was one of the absolute best run blocking tackles in the league last year, but his pass protection wasn't where anybody wanted it to be, himself included. So he did some things in the offseason, put on some weight, so to kind of handle the bull rush better. And I think probably his his mental frame of mind is is better than it was last year. I know he's been working on that aspect of it. I think in the past, um, he would overthink things. And he would, you know, allow one bad play to lead to another and lead to another. So I, I think that's why I believe this this offensive line is is going to be better than it was a year ago and, and certainly very good to the point where they're going to help them win football games and they're not going to be any kind of deterrent, anything like that. So, um, you know, it's kind of the backup position, though, that I look at. I, you know, I think you're going to have Jalen Moore as the swing tackle. I think they're going to have – uh, you know, a guy like um, who uh, Tom Compton is maybe the the swing guard, and then Jake Brendel as yeah. the backup center. And so that way, if something were to happen to Alex Mack, you don't have to worry about pushing Brunskill inside and bringing somebody else in. I think you can just, you know, if somebody gets hurt, you can just plug somebody else in there. And I, I think this is probably a redshirt year for Aaron Banks, the second-round draft pick from Notre Dame. I, I just don't think he's ready yet i think i i thought that before the injury and now that he's been out a few weeks i think that you know he will be one of those guys now that you can carry eight offensive linemen on your game day roster i would assume that aaron banks will be a guy who might not even put on a uniform this season i'm glad you brought up uh jake brindle that's one of the guys i think a lot of people were surprised when they saw his name not on that original 53 man mm-hmm. roster before 49ers able to sign him back uh, yesterday, as which what came out in their um, release. But all right, uh, Matt, uh, we're at that point where we've run through offense. There's only one position left that we haven't talked about. Do we talk about that now or do we save it? What do you want to do here? Um, are you talking about the other offensive position, the guy who scores points by kicking the ball through the goalpost? You're talking <laughs> Robbie Gold? What are we talking about here? You know, we, we can't, but well, while we're at it, we can talk about the specials. There's no surprise right there. You've got Robbie Gold, Mitch Wisnowski, and you've got Tabor Pepper. I don't think we really need to spend another 20 minutes on a podcast to talk okay. about that. We probably don't need to spend another 20 milliseconds. <laughs> That's a, it's a done deal. We're done with that one. Washing our hands. How about the quarterback position? Should we talk about it now? Should we? 
Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Let's get it out of the way. Let's. All right. It's it's not much of a surprise. I felt like the 49ers, given how heavily they invested in this quarterback position with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, it was no surprise to me that they decided to go with two. Nate Sudfeld going on uh, practice squad, which is great there. But let's instead of analyzing this position, let's talk about what you've seen out of Trey Lance so far through camp and preseason. Uh, I guess the question on everybody's mind is, is he ready? Do you think, given he's only played one game in the last, I think my I'm terrible at math, but it's been about 500 uh, days Whoa, of an actual game days. preseason. See I, but. see, I just try to go very vague. I just go like yeah, more than a year and a half. That's, that's the way I More than a I year talk. and a half. But um, do you think he's ready? No, I don't. I don't think he's ready. I, I think that he was very impressive. I, I loved what I saw from him in training camp. Um, I thought in the games, they were kind of up and down. I think the accuracy was an issue. I think that he has a lot of really intriguing and um, just very promising skills. And I love his temperament. I love, I like a lot about Trey Lance, but I just don't think he's ready yet to be the every down, you know, get in there and, and go win a football game. And he doesn't have to be, I don't think. Uh, there are a few guys who step into the league in that position. But he, I think if if called upon, he can still play winning football because he has elements to his game that Kyle Shanahan can kind of lean on. You know, he can he can run the ball. He can his ability to run can set up other guys to run the ball effectively, like Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon and anybody else, and. Has accuracy been an issue with him? Yes, it has been. But I think he, I think where some quarterbacks, they need to be super accurate. I don't know that he does. So I think they can still win a lot of football games with him if he were to step in. But I do think that they're a better team right now with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starting quarterback. And that's why Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback week one against wait, the what? Detroit Wait a minute. Lions. Hold on. Kyle Shanahan didn't say that, Matt Mayoko. He said he has an idea. <laughs> he has done everything but just kind of write it out on a big old billboard. Uh, he has all but said that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter. Um, and so I will kind of take him at his word. And of course I know that, you know, I asked that question after the game in Los Angeles and that became kind of a thing, but um, you know, right now Trey Lance needs every rep that he can get. And yeah. in these two practices on cut down week, he was unable to practice. It's the first time I've ever seen a quarterback practice the skills of quarterback without actually having a football in his hand. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was, it was a fait accompli. It was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo regardless, but um, you know, the, the fact that he's been unable to practice um, it is just hammers at home. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter. And I think that every game though, kind of stay tuned yeah. Keep your head on a swivel because I think in any game, any situation, Trey Lance can come in from the sideline and run a very specific play against a very specific defense in a very specific down and distance situation. Yeah. Um, just for background, for those that don't know, Trey Lance uh, has a chip 
in his finger Kyle Shanahan did not specify which finger but uh, well, chip in his finger. <laughs> I don't know if I can say this but I mean uh -oh. we can see that he has what? a splint on his right index finger so that would be my uh, investigative work to tell you exactly what finger it is Matt Mayoko, man of the people, he's doing the dirty work for all of us, so we can be <laughs> well-informed. Thank you so much. But expected to miss about a week, Kyle Shanahan expects him to be ready to go as the team begins preparing and doing the game planning this Monday uh, for the Detroit Lions for week one. But um, as you were talking about, don't be surprised, keep your head on a swivel. Absolutely, because I was shocked when I saw uh, how they were kind of interchanging uh, in that third preseason game, but a lot of comparisons are being drawn to that Drew Brees, Taysom Hill type of dynamic where he'll come in for a player here and there. Um, what do you, what have you gathered from kind of that relationship between what the Saints were doing and potentially what the 49ers could be doing? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, the, the way I see it is, I mean, just to kind of uh, bring it, full circle here with the 49ers mm -hmm. and you know but when Joe Montana came to the team he had you know basically the same style I guess as Steve DeBerg who was the quarterback then but what Bill Walsh did was he gave Joe Montana you know certain packages every game and kind of mixed him in occasionally but it was in situations where Bill Walsh one of the great offensive minds could kind of figure out that you know we're setting Joe up for success uh, Joe's going to be the future quarterback, but he's not ready yet. Let's give him opportunities to have success, build his confidence, and slowly just put more and more on his plate. And I think that's, that's the template for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do or should do with Trey Lance. It's, you know, here's a specific defense. The personnel on this defense will, will kind of uh, allow Trey Lance to do this very well. So let's use that. And then, you know, just piece by piece, give him more, give him more, give him more. So that when it is time for him to step in, he will be stepping in with confidence. So now I, I think that that's kind of, and, and, you know, to your point, yeah, it's very similar to what the Saints did. Um, I don't know that the Saints ever really felt that Taysom Hill was going to be their starting quarterback mm -hmm. at some mm -hmm. point in the future or if he's more kind of this auxiliary piece of, you know, kind of a jack of all trades, he can do a lot of different things. Whereas, I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, the 49ers, 49ers traded up to number three. They ended up get, uh, getting Trey Lance out of this. He is their quarterback of the future. So everything they do as it relates to involving him in the offense, the end game is to have Trey Lance as the future quarterback of the 49ers for a long, long time. The question is, when does he get that chance? When does he take over? And from the 49ers standpoint, the only answer is, well, I guess it's either when they're forced to put him in or when he is ready to step in and they feel confident that they don't, you know, they can just leave him in and whatever issues or whatever kinks need to be worked out he's close enough to a finished product that when he takes over 
there's there will be no reason for him to ever exit the lineup. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. We finally, we I feel like we put the nail in the coffin. We are done with the quarterback position. I feel like we could probably talk for hours on that, but I just want to quickly just go through a defense um, and don't really think there were too many of surprises with at linebacker, uh, cornerback safety was one of the biggest questions. 49ers deciding to go with Jimmy Ward, Jaquaski Tart, Talanoa Hufanga and Tavon Wilson. Um, and then I'm jumping to defensive line 49ers keeping 11 D linemen on the roster. We talked about tight end. And if you have to have one less at a position, I think they wanted to add that extra person at D line. I think depth is crucial here, but overall, just taking a, a overarching look at the defense did anything stand out to you did anything kind of raise a question mark or were you like i really like what they did at x position yeah i well the defensive line to me was the easiest position to handicap or to project and you know it it took me a little while to come to this but ultimately what i saw was you know which guys are they going to keep which guys are they going to uh give bad news to and my final couple roster projections is like oh they're keeping everybody so and that's what they did i mean they kept the 11 defensive linemen maurice hurst goes to ir which means that they're going to get him back at some point um they're going to get jordan willis back at some point after he serves a six game suspension and then i mean all the other guys i mean you they're the way they're built I mean, they they have quite a unit on the defensive line. I mean, all those guys will play. All those guys will be contributors. I think the most exciting part for 49ers fans is that it looks like D Ford is healthy yeah. and ready to play. And it certainly looks like Nick Bosa is ready to play. So you just stole you just stole Alfonso Miller's question from Fontana, California. Oh, he let's hear it. Know. He wanted to know, is Nick Bosa going to be ready for the start of season? You're there is no question. Yeah, Alfonso. <laughs> no, Nick Bosa looks fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing he's like 3% body fat. Um, he is raring to go. He is raring to go. I, I got a story. This is uh, from, I, I did a big story before the draft of 2019, talking to Nick Bosa's mom. And she was saying that they were going to hold him out of youth football. I forget how old he was. He might have been like seven years old or something. And they were like, well, Joey started playing football when he was, and I'm just kind of making up the ages, but just kind of play with me here. You know, Joey started playing when, let's say he was nine. And Nick uh, wanted to play when he was seven or eight. And the Bosa family was like, no, 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 not yet. And Nick Bosa threw a fit. And he's in the kitchen and he's, pounding the the floor and he's yelling at the top of his lungs i need to play football i will die if i don't play football so that that was a young nick bosa right and by the way his parents they let him play i kind of get the sense that nick bosa throughout training camp has kind of reverted back to the very young nick bosa and is like i need to play football I will die if I don't play football. Well, he's been dying to get out there. And I think 
week one, you will see Nick Bosa very much in his rookie of the year form. I don't think it's going to take him long at all to get to that point. And heck, you talk to D'Amico Ryans, he's saying he's going to be even better than he was in 2019. And Trent Williams, another guy who said he's never seen a guy come back from an injury like this and look better than he did before. And I've been at practice, Matt, you've been at practice. We see how he looks out there. Obviously, 49ers weren't throwing him directly into the fire. But from what we saw, I I, I believe it. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe it. He looks good. He looks strong. He looks fast. He looks like he has 3% of body fat. Um, He's everything as advertised and what we've seen out of Nick Bosa. So I would not be surprised to see him, you know, take people aback. And you could be in the running for that comeback player of the year. Um, Recognition. I mean, you hear hear Trent Williams, you hear D'Amico Ryans, you hear Joey Bosa talking about his brother. Oh, this, I was going to say something crazy, but you know what? I'll go ahead and say it. I I think that if if the if everything falls right, we might not even be talking about comeback player of the year. We might be talking about maybe a defensive. Well, you know where I'm going with I'm that. Going. I'm, I'm not going to finish that sentence, but I, I think that everybody else seems to have their sights set much higher than just you know the best player coming back from an injury. Yeah. I, I think they're thinking about him being one of the absolute best players in the NFL. Yeah, that's <laughs> that should that's something that should get 49ers fans very excited uh, for the 2021 season. All right, Matt, last thing before I let you go, I got a question from Christopher Gibbs from Wilmington, Delaware. He wants to know how good, after what we all just talked about, how good do you think this 49ers defense can really be? And I know some of the guys hate reverting back to 2019 because that's what we remember, but... Matt, you've seen a little bit of at practice. What's your thoughts? Well, that's a good question, Christopher. And I think, you know, 2019, certainly because it's still fresh in our minds, is, is going to be kind of the standard. Um, I think that a lot of it remains to be seen. But that that defensive front looks really good. And D'Amico Ryans, as a defense coordinator, he's going to have some growing pains now. You know, he's... He's never called a game before, but I think he's I think he's top notch. But you know, experience is is a big thing when you're sitting up there and you're. Or I guess he's going to be on the field, isn't he? So when you're on the sideline calling a defense, um, I think that the cornerback situation, the depth there. Uh, I, I obviously I like Jason Barrett and Emmanuel Mosley, but once you get beyond that, let's see. Uh, where things are going to go. I think that if, if Joukowsky Tart's toe is, is, is working fine and the flexibility and doesn't have any issues there. I mean, I think that the starting five and I throw K1 Williams in there as a starting five. And Oh, by the way, the, the two starting corners, the two starting safeties are numbers one, two, three, and four in your, on your roster. Jimmy Ward's number one. Number two is Jason Brett. Number three is Jaquaski Tart. Number four, Emmanuel Mosley. So they're taking advantage of those single digit, the single digit rule now for the NFL. Um, anyway, those five guys with Kwan Williams, I think they're really good. Where I have questions would be after those five guys, because invariably 
you know, there's going to be a little bit of attrition. Some guys are going to be coming in the lineup and out of the lineup. It just, it's just, that's the way it is in the NFL with the defensive backfield. It's very tough to keep the same five guys together through the whole season. So I think that's where things will kind of, um, be tested where the depth comes into it. And also I think D'Amico Ryan's system is going to test those guys. I, I I don't know. There's a more important player on the team this season than Jimmy Ward, because what the 49ers are going to do is they're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to be super aggressive up front. Sometimes that's going to result in big plays for the 49ers. Other times it will result in the opportunity for big plays for the for the opposing offense. And that's where Jimmy Ward has to be on his game. That's why any mistakes up front, Jimmy Ward has to cover for it. He has to kind of, he has to be the eraser. And so I think that that's a a major storyline for this season. Yeah. Jimmy Ward coming off of a really standout camp. I would say it's a toss up between Jimmy, uh, Jason Verrett, and I'm going to throw in Talanoa who have all had really standout performances in uh, training camp and preseason. And I got one last one. Brent Boyle wrote in and asked, he's noticed some of the highlight footage from the open practice at Levi Stadium where there have been some changes to the 49ers ring of honor. Uh, some of those numbers now circled. He'd like me to explain some of the changes. And uh, thanks to you at the home opener. Thanks, Brent. This is a great question. Um, I'd love to address that. So the 49ers Ring of Honor features the jersey numbers of all of the 49ers Hall of Fame inductees. The Ring of Honor now highlights jersey numbers of alumni whose numbers have been retired by the 49ers. Retired jersey numbers are denoted with that white circular border and all other numbers are just displayed in a numerical order. So that answers that when you get to Levi Stadium, hopefully your guys are all there for the home opener against the Green Bay Packers, which is going to be an incredible matchup. Cannot wait to see that one. I, I know you guys may have been following along with some of that news. Um, uh, Green Bay's uh, left tackle, David Bakhtiari, uh, he will be missing a couple of weeks. So, you know, that opens things up for a guy like Nick Bosa to truly have a huge game. But nonetheless, uh, something to take note of alongside how Nick Bosa performs, but uh, some changes to Levi Stadium that you guys can catch. With that, Mr. Matt Mayoko, I think now we shift our focus to week one. I know you've got work to do to focus on week one, but we appreciate you stopping by the podcast. Uh, hopefully we can we can get you back on soon and maybe we can follow up and see how some of these position groups have panned out over the next couple of weeks. How's that sound? That sounds great, Kiana. Always a pleasure to be associated with anything you do. You know that I think you are top notch and just keep doing what you're doing. He's only saying this because we're on the pod, guys. Not Matt, at all. Thank you so Not at all. I will, I will say that any day of the week to anybody who asks me about <laughs> Kiana Martin. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you. 